The gist is brought to you by Stamps.com. Buy and print official U.S. postage using your own computer and printer and save up to 80% compared to a postage meter. Sign up for Stamps.com and get a four-week trial and a $110 bonus offer when you use the promo code THEGIST. And buy Sherry's Berries. Fresh berries dipped in chocolate starting at just $19.99 are a great holiday gift. Order now and use the promo code GIST to double your berries for just $10 more. That's B-E-R-R-I-E-S dot com. Click on the microphone at the top right corner and use the code GIST. The following podcast contains explicit language. It's Wednesday, December 16th, 2015 from Slate. It's the GIST. I'm Mike Pesca. New York schools haven't had a snow day, but L.A. schools had a terror day. L.A. looked at the email that the New York schools also got and said, that's scary. New York looked at the same email and said, yeah, nice try, moron. Here, NYPD Commissioner Benjamin Bratton explains the kind of errors that were in the threatening email that made it seem less than credible. The language in the email would lead us to believe that uh, this is not a jihadist initiative. For example, that uh, Allah was not spelled with a capital A. That would be incredible to think that any jihadist would uh, not spell Allah with a capital A. Bratton went on to add, Furthermore, jihad is not spelled with a G. Furthermore, after jihad, a real terrorist would not threaten jihad 2 with a vengeance or jihad 3, jihada. Al-Qaeda and Zarqawi, those were both spelled with a U after the Q, which we thought was more the habit of a Westerner. Iraq was spelled with a U after the Q in Iraq also, which is more the habit of a stupid Midwesterner. Words like Shia, Bayah, which means oath of fealty, and Muminin, which means the faithful, had inconsistent apostrophes, and sometimes the apostrophes were actually the winky eye emoji, but I guess computers do that sometimes. In expressing the idea for the return of the caliphate, we feel that would not normally be expressed by a map outline of the state of California, a minus sign, the words onya, and a plus sign, and the number eight, Islamic jihadists, from our experience, do not dabble in rebus puzzles. Similarly, the word infidel would not be illustrated by an in sign plus a fiddle. Other Arabic words in the threat, including Salafi and Tawheed, were blue and contained hyperlinks, indicating they weren't actually known by the threat authors, but were cut and pasted from a Wikipedia article. Then we assessed specific threats to turn different towns and municipalities in the state of New York into Sunni strongholds. They said we would bring about a Sunni Binghamton, a Sunni Albany, a Sunni Stony Brook. We found these two closely correlated to the presence of Sunni schools, State University of New York schools. Therefore, we deeply discounted that threat based on the laziness thereof. I gotta say, I love being a New Yorker on days like today. In the spiel today, not too many good arguments in the Republican debate, but I'm not gonna say I love that Rubio, but uh, yeah, he is standing heads and shoulders above the rest. You know that Marco Rubio, though running for president and supposedly a leader, not a firstborn. So we will get into the issue of how important birth order is, and we'll run it through the old bullshit detector. Is that bullshit birth order? 
The holidays are all around us. The stress-filled, horrible birth of Jesus. But oh my God, I can't believe I'm going to another Christmas party. Holidays. Sure, SantaCon comes and goes. The side of it's not just the Santa's puking. It's when you see two Santas making out. It's just wrong. It's all sorts of wrong. Donder and Blitzen should have warned you against that. Anyway, that's why I give you stamps.com. You can't go with the holidays, the post office. It's crazy. Kissing Santa Clauses. Stamps.com is the solution. With stamps.com, you can avoid all the hassle of going to the post office during the holiday season. Whatever you're going to do at the post office, you could do right from your desk, like buy and print official U.S. postage using your own computer and printer. You could print postage for any letter or package the instant you need it, and the mailman will pick it up. It is easy. It is convenient. Right now, sign up for stamps.com using the promo code the gist and you get a four-week trial and a $110 bonus offer, which includes postage and a digital scale. Don't wait. Go to Stamps.com before you do anything else. Click on the microphone at the top of the homepage and type in the gist. That's Stamps.com and enter the gist. Most of the world's great revolutionaries were later borns. Most of the world's kings were firstborns. Well, that's how kings work. But what is there to birth order? My little sister says, meow, meow, meow. But I say, here to figure it out, and we're going to find out if she has any siblings, is Maria Konnikova. She is the author of The Confidence Game and Mastermind, How to Think Like Sherlock Holmes. She plays Is That Bullshit with Scientific Claims with us. Hello, Maria. Hello, Mike. One of the very first books I ever prepped as a a producer in public radio was by, I think his name was Frank Sullaway. Do you Uh know this guy? Absolutely. Won the MacArthur Genius Grant, and he wrote a book called Born to Rebel, which was 18 billion pages Mm -hmm. that I could boil down in one sentence. Later borns are born to rebel. Uh, over the course of the 18 billion pages, there were a lot of pictures and like a lot of these revolutionaries, most of them in the American Revolution, Mao, all these guys, they were rebellious. But then again, it did dawn on me. He didn't say second born or third born or fourth born. He said later born. Back then, family size was like 12. So like, you know, 10, maybe 90% of humanity was a later born. So they're going to be mostly responsible for everything. Anyway, I don't know if you've looked at Sullaway or any other survey about, you know, how much does birth order matter? I have indeed. And we have wanted birth order to matter forever. I mean, yeah. we've been obsessed with this since Francis Galton, who you might know as the father of eugenics, but who also did a study back in 1874 where he looked at a bunch of prominent people. They were all men because at this point we're talking 1874 that's England. What, that's what mattered. Yep. And he figured out what their birth order was. Mm -hmm. And he found that among the preeminent men of the time, among the scientists, among kind of the leaders of society, most uh, were firstborn. Okay. So there's a a logic to it. Or only born. So there's a logic to it, especially in times earlier than our own, which are resources. When resources are scarce, and this is this true for families, the firstborn gets all the schooling. Maybe the secondborn is, uh, you know, ushered into the clergy, and then everyone else has to scramble for themselves. That's absolutely right. When there are scarce family resources, when you're living in a family that isn't ridiculously wealthy, and especially back in the 1900s, by the way, when the firstborn inherited everything, then there's a reason why firstborn children get a lot of attention. This is what Galton, who was the ninth Ah. born, that's what he posited. He said, hey, parents give more resources to their firstborn, so it's an unfair advantage. So he didn't say this was genetic or that there was, you know, any sort of biological reason for it. He said that it was kind of the social 
family um, type of environment. And people have really kind of kept up with that idea. So the next time that we see it appears about 50 years later, this time we see it for intelligence and for personality traits. People say that firstborns and laterborns have certain things that they, you know, that like you said, either they're leaders or they're rebels or they're conscientious or they're nurturing or they're this or they're that. And this other claim arises that firstborns are smarter. Yes. And that IQ goes down. This kind of takes us up through the 1960s. And then there's a big backlash. And there's a big paper that comes out in the 70s that says, bullshit, bullshit, bullshit. None of these birth orders matter. By the way, you know, I'm I'm brilliant, right? Sure. And I'm not the firstborn. I'm the youngest. You, out of how many? Out of two. And, and However, old, I older have, brother I have or sister? Older, older sister. sister. And I have step-siblings. So yes. I grew up with, so there were four of us, yeah. and I was the youngest of, the, of that group. Oh, so then they would say, well, the baby's doted upon. <laughs> the weird thing with birth order is you could use your birth order to justify whatever outcome there is. Oh, you're always uh, given attention as the baby, or you're always uh, coddled and told you're great, that sort of thing. Yep, yep. So that's where Soloway comes in. Um, and he develops, he's an evolutionary psychologist, and he develops this new theory called the family niche theory, which says that because you're born at different times, you have to figure out how to adapt to your family in different ways. So it's not so much a question of just flat out resources, like you get poorer as you have larger families. It's more a question of, okay, if you're the oldest, then you want to please your parents and you're kind of in control. And so you develop a parental role towards your youngest sibling. The most adaptive strategy is to be the good kid. Exactly. And if you're younger, you have to be more creative because kind of all of the other roles have already been distributed. By the way, middle children basically get screwed in all of these analyses. Yeah, Jam Brady syndrome. Yeah, sure. absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And so he comes out with this really influential book that really revitalizes the study of birth order. And he goes even further. He says, okay, we have the big five personality traits, like extroversion and conscientiousness and your birth order is going to affect how you score on all of uh-huh. these different traits. Can I try? Ocean. Yeah. Ocean or canoe, depending on how you want there to use it. It's, it's neuroticism, mm-hmm. extroversion, mm-hmm. Uh, conscientiousness. What's the O? Oh, openness, openness to, to new experiences. O C E A A. What's the A? Um, agreeableness. 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 Yes. Is agreeableness. Okay, good. I kind of think that the big five are a little bit bullshit. Really? So I love yeah, the big five. That, that's why. Oh, I'd be nothing without the big five. <laughs> <laughs> and so, wait, you know, wait. Lion, rhino. No, that's a different big five. <laughs> um, and so, you know, because you're compar- you're competing for scarce resources, you specialize and then, you know, you develop these different traits accordingly. Yes. Basically, people have been trying to either prove him right or prove him wrong ever since. And it's right. really hard. The data Firstborns have... try to prove him right, and laterborns try right. to prove him and wrong. It, and it's really hard. Um, and the data have been really inconsistent. Yeah. Luckily, in November, there was a huge review that finally came out in PNAS that looked at all of these things. And they looked at three huge subsets of people. So one from the United States, that's over 5,000 people. Yeah. One from Great Britain, that's almost 5,000. And Germany, that's 
10,500. Okay. More or less. And so this is a huge number, bigger than any of these studies. And they try to comb through all of the possible connections, all of the possible evidence to see, well, you know, once and for all, is there something seems to like, this? But most of the stuff they're looking at isn't empirical. I guess you could do wealth. I guess you could do health. But the so assertions you, are things like the personality traits and how right, neurotic so, you are. And, so then we have to, what we have to do is get measures of those traits right. from the person, self-report measures, which are bad, and from other people, which will say, I think this person is like this. See, this is why I have a problem with the big five. They're really, really hard to measure. They're hard to but, measure. And things. it does seem that like agreeableness and openness right. to experience are pretty so, correlated. Yeah. So let's let's assume that we can measure them because this entire literature is based on is predicated on measuring okay. them. Otherwise, we can dismiss all of the personality literature, which I personally would I would dismiss a lot of it. Well, you're you're a later born, but but I'm a later born, so I'm a rebel. Roles, yeah. I'm a rebel, and I'm much more open to new scientific findings. What does your sister do, by the way? Uh, she's a doctor. Thanks, she's Robert. A, yeah, <laughs> neonatologist. MD, PhD, so she does have more IQ than I do, clearly. Does she believe in birth order, by the way? Do you know? <laughs> I'm sure she does. I'm yeah. sure she does. What they concluded, unfortunately, is that they have found absolutely no evidence for any sort of relationship between birth order and any sort of personality. However, the relationship for IQ... Yes does seem to be pretty stable. Yes. So IQ really does go down after the firstborn. Yes. And there, once again, we don't think that this is genetic or anything like we that. We think it's the per- how much time the parent has to just talk to the kid. Uh, that's that's much. definitely one of these things. And just so that we can kind of get a magnitude, we're talking between one and three IQ points. Yes. And it only explains 3% of the variance. But I remember so when that's tiny. I remember when that study came out Every re- it's impo- that's one of those studies that's impossible as a human being to have a reaction other than all right wait is that true for my family oh yeah I believe it or wait is that true in my experience oh no that can't right like no one has ever said well I'm younger but smarter than my older brother but I totally believe that right. study right. can happen right anyway, yeah. yeah so this this will be good uh, holiday conversation when families get together yeah, I've also got a whole <laughs> uncle strategy I'm coming out with the whole show yeah yeah so so the IQ finding is small yeah. but but very consistent did Soloway have to give back his genius grant money no yeah Soloway's still working I don't know what he thinks about this paper I'm guessing he's pretty pissed off right now all right let's play for the record birth order matters honestly not really the only place where it matters a little bit is for your IQ for your intellectual development but I mean, there are all sorts of problems with IQ to begin with. I mean, if I were just speaking for myself, I would say total bullshit. Birth order doesn't matter. We thank you for your honesty. We thank you for your research. We thank you for your openness, your agreeableness, your extroversion. and My conscientiousness. Conscientiousness and your general lack of neuroticism. Well, you're kind of neurotic. I mean, you do a lot of research. You come, I do. You come I armed. Do. That's pretty good. You make it work for you. Maria Konnikova, she is the author of Mastermind, How to Think Like Sherlock Holmes. She is the author of the forthcoming The Confidence Game. Thanks, Maria. Thanks so much, Mike. Do you still have any gifts that you have to buy this holiday season? Of course you do. I know I do. You want it to be easy. You want it to go smoothly. You want the reaction to be a loving and I didn't know I wanted this, but it's great, and I appreciate it, and oh my gosh, these are delicious berries. Wait, I stepped on who the sponsor was. Okay, I'll say it. It's Sherry's Berries. Sherry's Berries freshly dipped strawberries starting at $19.99. That's a 40% savings. 
So I say this a lot. Maybe you listen to my show. You're wondering, wait, so if that's a 40% savings, what was the original price? It would be $33. Now watch me here for the math. Because for today only, you can double your berries for $5 more. Twice as much for only $5 more. So what kind of savings does that represent? Well, I'll tell you. 66 going from 66 to 25 is a savings of 62%. Isn't that crazy how math works? That's a lot of savings. But we are on a deadline. We are literally on a tight deadline. I'm sorry if you are just catching up on a gist from a couple days ago. The thing does end at midnight on the day I'm recording this, which is the 16th. So as the 16th goes into the 17th, your berry offer goes away. Gourmet berries, fresh, juicy, and dipped in dark, white, and milk chocolatey goodness, sprinkled with chocolate chips, chopped nuts. Remember, the special sale is today only. Make sure you order today to double the berries for only $5. There's only one way to get today's one-day deal. Sherry's Berries starting at $19.99 and double the berries for $5 more. Visit B-E-R-R-I-E-S dot com. Click on the microphone at the top right corner and type in GIST. Go to berries.com, click on the microphone and type in GIST. The sale ends today. And now the spiel. I'm out of arguments. Marco Rubio is my Republican candidate. This is not one of those recommendations like four to five dentists surveyed, recommends sugarless gum for their patients who chew gum. I think the dentist would say, yeah, have some sugarless gum. Sure, it can't hurt you. I'm not exactly saying that about electing a Republican. This is more of a, remember that campaign, if you smoke, please try Carlton. In, in that vein, I say, if you must vote Republican, you might consider Marco. In the debate last night, Marco Rubio, to my eyes, proved himself to be the top of the class. So first, let me dismiss a few of the candidates who are so implausible they just don't rate. Kasich and Paul, the men on the ends, they are eighth and ninth in the polls headed in. They had some good lines. I do not see how they could possibly be president. Then there's Carly Fiorina. Carly Fiorina seemed to have a strategy in her opening statement of alternating every other line with a statement and the contradiction to that statement. Here she goes. Citizens, it's time to take our country back which is a pretty loaded, over-the-top, overwrought charge against the people who have quote-unquote stolen our country. A couple words I'd use to describe take our country back is bombastic and insulting. So let's see how she'll take it back. Bombast and insults won't take it back. But that didn't... All right, let's just chalk those words up to, you know, political rhetoric. Next sentence. Political rhetoric that promises a lot and delivers little won't take it back. Okay, so you don't want to over-deliver. I get that. You wouldn't want to promise that all our big problems can be easily solved. I mean, there is so much that's baked into our problem, right? That's why rhetoric is easy. But you just can't say, heck, income inequality can be solved. Global warming can be solved. 30,000 gun deaths can be solved. Erosion of the manufacturing base. Yeah, I'll solve that. You can't possibly promise that any one of those problems can be solved. So let's hear what Carly does promise. All of our problems can be solved. All of them? All of our wounds can be healed by a tested leader who is willing to fight for the character of our nation. Healing the wounds by fighting, that is the conservative, authentic, responsive leadership for you that the Carly Pack was named for. 
any resemblance to candidate's name in violation of federal election law is strictly coincidental. Then there's Chris Christie. Chris Christie actually running a distant second to Trump in a recent New Hampshire poll. Maybe we should take him seriously. No, we shouldn't. I'm a former federal prosecutor. I fought terrorists and won. And when we get back in the White House, we will fight terrorists and win again. And America will be safe. He says this all the time, and maybe it seems true. But, you know, I don't think the scary terrorists are the ones who are manacled and in orange jumpsuits in a courtroom. He's saying, look, once you catch the terrorist... And once you read him his rights, and once you assign him a pro bono lawyer who gets paid in vouchers from one of those Nation magazine cruises where you get to chat with Katrina Vandenhoevel, once that happens, I'm the guy who's going to bring that terrorist to justice. Getting a verdict against an ISIS terrorist is not hard. Stopping a terrorist in the first place, that's what we're looking for. SEAL Team 6 is not full of former prosecutors wearing blazers bought at casual mail repelling off MI-17 choppers. That stint as a prosecutor, that is Christie's past. We know from the debate that he also follows current events. The second largest school district in America, in Los Angeles, closed based on a threat. Closed on a hoax. Think about the effect that that's going to have on those children. When they go back to school tomorrow, wondering, filled with anxiety about whether they're really going to be safe. Think about when you were a kid and returned after a snow day and were racked with anxiety if it might snow tomorrow. Except for one thing, the snow wasn't a hoax. Think about the mothers who will take those children tomorrow morning to the bus stop, wondering whether their children will arrive back on that bus safe and sound. But more of those mothers will be wondering if they have to scramble again for daycare because of a hoax. Think about the fathers of Los Angeles who tomorrow will head off to work and wonder about the safety of their wives and their children. Now think of the illogic of wondering about the safety of your family because of a hoax, but not thinking about the safety of your family because in the last 12 months in your county, in Los Angeles County, there have been 647 homicides. Think about the kind of father that doesn't realize that of the 647 homicides, 449 were shooting victims, and wonder, how am I going to plop all that, that idea of danger, into the laps of... What has Barack Obama and Hillary Clinton done to this country? I can't take Christie seriously, and I didn't even mention the word bridge. Ben Carson also trending poorly. Jeb Bush also not trending well. Of course, when your adversary is Donald Trump... It's kind of easy. Wait a minute. Isn't that really blowing the whistle on myself? Yes, it is. So one fascinating part of the debate and the field is what's going on between the two sons of Cuban immigrants. One, the youthful and buoyant Marco Rubio. The other, the door and ideologically pure Ted Cruz, who is actually only six months older than the young Rubio. I guess he packed a lot of world weariness and obstinance into those six months. Ability to stop acts of terrorism, and and he knows that, that that's the case. Dana, may I Senator, let me be very careful in answering this because I don't think national television in front of 15 million people is the place to discuss classified information. So let me just be very clear: there is nothing that we are allowed to. Rubio and Cruz sparred over immigration, and to a conservative audience, it might have seemed that Cruz owned the better part of the argument. But I believe that every time Cruz attacks Rubio as being too centrist, he builds up Rubio's credibility, not only among those Republicans who actually are centrist, but also among Republicans who aren't hell-bent on the immigration issue as they are eager to win the White House. The attack that might work is to say, 
this being soft on immigration shows he's wishy-washy or that he changes his views to fit the times or that he changes his views with the political mood or that he lacks a backbone. But simply saying, I mean, here's a guy who's willing to work with Chuck Schumer. I think that actually helps Rubio as much as it hurts. And Rubio just sounds more sensible and more truthful than Cruz when it comes to issues like how effective air raids can be against ISIS. Plus, he never even, Rubio didn't even get to an issue that I think could be an excellent talking point to appeal to conservatives, which is that Rubio passed a provision into law that limits some of the spending under Obamacare. Everyone else on the stage just talks about such measures. So why do I say Rubio is the best? I want to acknowledge some things. I think every Republican who's running, they have the idea of lowering the taxes on the very wealthy. I think that's terrible tax policy. I don't see the point in adding to the deficit to lower the taxes on millionaires. They all espouse a belief in austerity over stimulus that's just empirically untrue. And then there are issues like climate change. Climate change never came up in the debate. Neither did raising the interest rates, the most important issue in the world. That also never came up. Fine. And of course, they're all against abortion. I disagree with them on all that. Every Democrat seems better on all those issues than every Republican. But Rubio seems better than his Republican opponents on most of the other issues. And in a country where the median age is 37, but the median age of those who strongly identify as Republican is 52, those six months that he has on Ted Cruz, that means he is the face of youth. And that's it for today's show. We do not believe that Andrea Salenzi is actually the producer because she's been imploring us all day, just yelling to the microphones. It's good for the microphones. We think the idea that Andy Bowers is executive producer might be a hoax, especially when he proposed a multi-show arc where I perform in the persona of a Carol Channing impersonator. Is this even the gist? The words are not spelled with a J, and the gist doesn't end by me saying Peruvian turkey penis. Thanks for listening.